Uh, Daryl and I had been friends for a long time. We were actually on staff together at Covenant Life Presbyterian Church on the other side of town. And uh, I was there for, what, five years, something like that. Um, we both, I was fired. And he says he was let go. So there's a difference there on that, right? But uh, basically, let me tell you about why I love Daryl. When I first came up, the idea was starting a church. I knew I needed somebody with some wisdom and some experience and some, somebody that could hold me accountable theologically, somebody I could bounce ideas off of, somebody who could coach me. And so we're trying to figure out, Daryl, I want you to be on board, but what should your title be? And we just thought, you know what? He's a coach. And that's what he's been to me so far. Daryl is an excellent communicator of God's truth. He does a great job. By the way, the first time my wife and I needed marriage counseling, I know none of you ever needed marriage counseling in your marriages. I know it's been great, but for us, you know, we have struggles. Daryl's the one that counseled us. Our very first marriage counseling, uh, we had a fight over some dishes or something. And Daryl helped us. <laughs> Daryl helped us off. So I love Daryl. I have a lot of respect for him. We are very blessed to have him to be part of our pastoral staff. Give a hand for Daryl Davis. Come on up, Big D. Hey, girl. Yeah, Joe says, uh, he says he wants me to hold him accountable. He says that. Yeah, the illusion of accountability. Actually, uh, somebody needs you to hold you accountable for the length of your announcements. You know, Do I ever go that long? I don't think so. Hey, uh, this is a... Um, I want to talk to you today about something that is on the back of your bulletin. If you, if you see it there, it's the, one of the core values. And Joe asked me to do this back in uh, oh, several months ago before we started worship. But we were sort of warming up and we were meeting on Sundays. And he says, could you do a devotional on, on uh, one of our core values here, generous? And so I did. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. And I ended up uh, expanding the idea and the talk that I gave um, that, that Sunday morning in our kind of our dress rehearsal, one of our rehearsals, trying to see how it would work here at McCurdy's and that kind of thing. And so, um, so I thought, you know, this is very good. A sermon for not only us, Grace Life, because it's going to be a sermon about grace, but it's, it's good for us because it's Thanksgiving. And uh, we need to be reminded of some deep things here that are in this, this uh, vision statement that, that the church has. I love, I love Joe's points. Joe came up with those points, and then he asked me if I would mind uh, sort of editing them or making any kind of contribution. So we worked through them. Now, for today's sermon, what I've done is I've, I've put out uh, uh, an insert sheet like this, so you should see that in your bullets, and you can use that if you want to. Maybe you've, uh, you, you don't know much more about me. I mean, if, if I was going to give my own introduction, because I know a lot of you don't know me, I would say this. One of the most surprising facts is that my father is a multi-billionaire. So I'm the kind of person who doesn't really worry too much about my future. Now, when I say he's a multi-billionaire, I mean, I mean my heavenly father. <laughs> yeah, see, isn't it funny how you shift in the way you think about somebody? Some of you were already thinking, I gotta hit him up. <laughs> You know, when you find things out about people, you know, you, you, your, your opinion shifts and, you, and, you, and you, you position your relationship a little differently. But, no, my dad's just a normal guy. Uh, he was an engineer. 
retired from Hershey Foods. Yes, chocolate, That's, that was my world. Uh, but you know, maybe some of you have heard some of the stories about the early church and how generous they were at giving of themselves. There are two famous examples. You gotta remember, the Roman world that the early church lived on was cruel. Life was mean and short for a lot of people. And think also, too, back in those days, just nobody, but nobody had things like hospitals, and even doctors were a, a, a luxury that few people could afford. So one of the most famous narratives of what early Christians did that caught the attention of the Roman world involved a practice that was widespread, that was not looked down upon, eh, you know, you didn't boast about it, but everybody knew it took place. It was a thing called exposing infants. And it involved taking an infant that was not wanted and taking him to a wild place and then just leaving the infant there to perish in whatever way it did, either through exposure to the elements or exposure to wild beasts. Whatever happened, that's what happened. And the Christians became famous right away because they knew where some of the more popular places were, and they would check out in the morning or at night to see if there was an infant that had been laid out there. And then they would take that infant in and, and raise it as its own. Now, this impressed people because, see, there was nothing in it for them. It was just pure generosity to do something like that. Or you may have heard something else about the early Christian church. It got a reputation for caring for sick people, especially in a day when epidemics would sweep through a village or a town. And if you were wealthy, you'd leave. And you'd just let the epidemic run its course. But the Christians sometimes would stay behind or go to a place that was suffering and take care of the people there. Uh, we're not talking about people who had a cough and a sneeze. We're talking about people who were debilitated and couldn't take care of themselves because of the illness. And there would be sometimes Christians doing that. Those two examples of generosity really got the attention of a lot of people. And so what I've entitled my sermon is Surprising Generosity because it, it, that kind of generosity is surprising. When you see people putting their lives on the line like this. God changes us when we decide to be followers of Christ. And hopefully one of the ways that we get changed is that we are so filled with thanksgiving and thankfulness that we become surprisingly generous. One of the core values that we want to have here at Grace Life Church. Now you can find a definition here uh, on your sheet at the, uh, at the very top of the uh, insert that I have there to fill in some blanks if you want to do that. What I'm talking about here on this uh, subject of God's grace is that it results in surprising, unexpected generosity. This allows us to be open-handed to those around us with God given resources, with what he's given us, we can be open-handed. Our lives become a demonstration of grace to honor God 
See, it's not about uh, the Daryl Davis Memorial Lavatories. You know, it's uh, you know, it's 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 about giving for the sake of the Lord, not for your own sake, for your own name. And that's the kind of values we're hoping to see us rally around and, and want to imitate and to become like in our policies as well as in our hearts. So my first point here on your outline is this. Generosity is God's idea. It's sort of my uh, theological application, as Joe would say. That's, uh, it's the theology behind uh, the point we're making today, this morning, that God invented this. It's his idea. It's his nature. I mean, the word grace is just the idea of a gift, an undeserved gift. And so God's grace is just a generous gesture in itself. It's his nature to be this way, to be gracious. Think of Adam and Eve, very beginning story. You know, suddenly they find themselves out of his good grace because of their sin. What does God do? He, he promises them salvation. He, he makes clothes for them. And, and he gives them a prophecy of how someday the seed of the woman is going to defeat the serpent. And that's the first prophecy of, of Christ. And, and, of course, Christ is the ultimate expression of this generosity. Look at uh, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Though Christ Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't, he didn't hang on to it. He didn't insist on his rights. He didn't say, this is beneath me. But he emptied himself of his glory and his, and his privileged position in heaven and he took the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross so you see the generosity that God the father has in giving him giving us his son you see the generosity that Jesus has in stepping forward and being willing to do this task that's necessary to save the human race. Generosity begins with him. And because it begins with him, it affects his followers. That's, that's how it was in the early church. Uh, as I gave some examples, but you can read about them in the Bible too. There's a famous example of this kind of generosity in a church that was located in what was then called Macedonia. Now, on a Greek, uh, if you were in, a, in Greece, you'd see that that's the area up uh, that I have circled there, just for those of you who are like uh, world traveling and been out in that part of the world, uh, like maps. Um, you see Italy on the left and Turkey on the right, and in between them is, is Greece, and that's, that's where this story originates that I'm going to tell you right here. Let me, let me read it to you. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their point. Do you, do you see what he's saying? He's saying 
that they don't have much. And yet, they have been extremely generous. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify. They couldn't, they couldn't give a lot, see? But what they could give, they gave. And beyond their means, of their own accord. They, they even put themselves out with their generosity. They didn't just stop with what they could afford, but they, they pushed the edges a little more, you see. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see in verse 4 there, they said they begged them for the opportunities. They said, look, we need to contribute to these people who are not doing well. And, you know, Paul says, oh, no, no, you guys have enough of your own problems. And they said, no, 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 let us do this. See, they're begging them. It was, it, you know who were the people that the money went to? It was to the believers in Jerusalem. Because, see, in Jerusalem, if you became a Christian, and many Jewish people did become Christians first, the Jewish community rallied itself and the leaders made pronouncements that if you were a Christian, if you were a follower of Christ, you were not Jewish any longer. And you were kicked out of the synagogue. And of course what that meant then is a loss of job a lot of times, loss of position, prestige, loss of income, education was limited. So there was a severe suffering in Jerusalem for the, on the part of believers, followers of Christ who were Jewish. This is what the Macedonians were contributing to. It's an amazing story. But, you see, not only was generosity God's idea, that's sort of our theological application, that's his nature, but, you see, our historical application, that they're actually putting this into practice. Not just from the anecdotes I told you at the beginning, but here in Scripture it's laid out how that generous heart flows out of thanksgiving to God. And that's my second point that I, that I want to make. Uh, grace opens our hands in generosity. You can follow that on your outline sheet if you want to. We are changed by God's grace toward us so that we ourselves become gracious. See, and this, this is very practical information. It's an historical point that we're looking at here, but it's very practical. You know, if I could show you a video of the early church, if we could watch, watch that in practice, it would be interesting to see. We have something like that. We have a snapshot. And in, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we find these words, that the, the church, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings 
and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Now, I think that is marvelous to read. You have to realize that this kind of giving was voluntary. No one was making them do that. A lot of times you'll hear people talk about the church that way. All they ever talk about in that church is money, money, money. Well, I understand that's a sensitive subject. But generosity is evidence of a changed heart. And that's what we have to be aware of. Look, there's a constant problem that you have in, in American politics, and I guess politics around the world probably. And that is that if you want to take care of people who are disadvantaged, it makes sense to do it through well-organized institutions. I mean, the Salvation Army just does a better job at some things than I can do as an individual myself. So it makes sense to, to have an institution that does such things. And so, and so what happens then is it makes sense also that the government might be interested in the welfare of people, medically or, 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 or poverty issues, things like that. And so the government makes provisions. The problem is when you have other people doing these works of generosity, either through your tax dollars or your voluntary contributions, it removes you from the picture. And it's very easy to let that become a kind of apathy. And yet, if we didn't have institutions doing these things, then we might not be doing the kind of job that we need to do. If we just let it up to individual whim, individual impulse, you see what I'm laying out here is a philosophical problem. And I want you to be aware of that. Because there's no solution. The solution isn't individualism or collectivism. The solution isn't a system. The solution is only found in the Lord, ultimately. And even that, you know, because we're sinners, I mean, that can fall by the wayside. I can have the best of intentions. But unless I'm giving wisely, See? And that's another place that the power of institutions resides, because they have the ability to investigate, to find out. They have the experience. They know when they're being conned. They know if they're scammed sometimes. You can spot these things. We, want to be, we don't want to just be generous. We want to be wise in our generosity, don't we? You know, the... Jerusalem church I was talking to you about a minute ago, they had a problem like this right away. Remember I said there were a lot of Jewish believers. Some of those Jewish believers uh, spoke Greek and some spoke Aramaic or Hebrew. And some of the early believers weren't Jewish at all in their background, but they became followers of Christ and associated themselves with the Jewish community. Early on, when they were distributing food and funds, the Greek-speaking widows were being favored as opposed to the Jewish-speaking Hebrews. 
uh, believers. And so what happened was there was an organizational, you know, falling through the cracks. And they said, you know, we've got to get organized about this. And that's when you read the story of the first deacons in the book of Acts, how they elected guys who were full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit to administer these funds to make sure not one group or the other group was being missed. It, they wanted people who were doing it from their heart, commitment. But it was hard work nonetheless. And that brings me to my third point that I want to make here. It's sort of our devotional point uh, application for the day. In other words, it's about generosity demonstrating grace to others. When we dedicate ourselves to this, People can't help but take notice. And that's what was going on in the early church. People were noticing this kind of generosity, especially in the very self-centered, selfish, egocentric culture of Rome. It was making a big splash. Let's go back and look at the early church here. Uh, we were reading this earlier. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread. This is the snapshot of the church. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. See, they were glad, they were thankful, and they were generous. They were giving. That's thanks and giving. <laughs> All right? Thanksgiving. They were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see what it says here? It says they were respected by the community because of their attitude and also their generosity. And because of that, people were coming to the church to find out what is this about. It made a difference. Look at this passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, may become rich. That's not a riddle. What it's saying is Jesus died on the cross so that we would have the riches of God for eternity, that we would belong to the family, that we would have an inheritance. That's what I was talking about at the very beginning. I'm not worried about an inheritance. I'm going to inherit all things along with Christ. We have God-given resources. And they're not just in the future, they're here now. So that... If you decide you want to do something for the cause of Christ, it's very likely, if this is coming from him, that he's going to equip you and give you what you need to accomplish, the task. That's, that's how God works. He doesn't always call those people who are equipped. But he always equips those people that he calls. And if you're being called by God, then you don't have to worry about your resources. It changes your attitude when you realize you have all things in Christ, all that you need. It changes your attitude when you realize that you're going to receive an inheritance that can't be changed or taken by anybody or lost in some way. 
These Macedonians we were reading about a moment ago. Listen, listen as we pick up here later on in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. He's using an illustration here. There's a, a quandary that you experience when food starts to become a shortage. Do I take the grain and eat it and then have nothing? Or do I take the grain and throw it on the ground and maybe get something in the future, six months later? That illustration is what he's saying. God assures you is going to happen to your benefit. That, that if he can provide a harvest, when you're throwing, throwing perfectly good wheat onto, a, onto the ground, if he can provide a future for you by doing that, then he can certainly do that spiritually with your generosity. That as your generosity is thrown out there, that it will return in some way, shape, or form. Not just to his glory, but to great things, to, to multiply, to, to create more, not less. You know, in the Roman world, it was common to be generous with your body and tight-fisted with your money. When they excavated the city of Pompeii, you know, Mount Vesuvius, and it was covered with ash, and they found all this archaeological interesting stuff, well, these Victorian archaeologists were absolutely shocked to discover all this pornography everywhere in the city of Pompeii. It was part of the Roman world. Yeah, there was art. There was artistic expressions of love and all that sort of thing. But there was an awful lot of pornography as well, done in mosaics and such. You know, probably some of you are going to go home and look this up after the service. <laughs> but you can take my word for it. The Roman world was all about experimentation. Do what you like, do what you want. There's all kinds of ways that you can express yourself. Very generous with themselves sexually but tight-fisted when it came to giving and money. And here were these Christians who were just the opposite. They thought of their bodies as temples of God. And they treated one another with respect and love and consideration. And yet they were very generous with their money. It made a big impact. And they were famous. For this, you can you can read writings from that period where they talk about the Christians. They got problems with the fact that they don't worship the Roman gods, but they admit that these people put their money where their mouth was. Grace changes us to be generous. And generosity will be demonstrating the power of grace in the world, and we hope 
that's what we can do as well as a church. And you start this by being thankful, by seeing and recognizing what God has done for you in Christ. And when that takes place, then you become thankful. And when you become thankful, then you become generous. That's what Jesus did. And we are his disciples. We can do it too. Let's pray. For God, we ask that we wouldn't just be people who believe in our minds of your lordship and your power, but that we would be people transformed in our hearts to be generous as our Lord and Savior was generous, even giving himself to the point of death, his life, to us. And we pray that that would make an impact and that it would make a difference in Sarasota. We pray that our, our work here would be, yes, it would be worship and joy, but it would be also practical and very wise in the way that we give and express ourselves with generosity. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a good time to worship God by giving. As we do that, we'll have our people go around and wait upon. If you'd like to give by credit card, you can visit the welcome kiosk over there. They have a way to swipe your card if you'd like to do that after the service.